0: You are listening to Quelly TV Podcast, dedicated to the issue, stories, and culture of the global Black community.
1: Our Culture Curated. I'm really excited to have Marquette Jones on Quilly Creatives. She is a phenomenal filmmaker. Her, her short, round of both sides is on Quilly TV right now. I've known you, I think, since the beginning, the early stages of Quilly TV, during Beta Phase, and she's yes. been with us from day one, so thank you so much for being here.
0: I'm really excited to be involved with the podcast. I have watched your journey, since, I guess, since close to the beginning, and I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's... So blended idea, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Truly,
1: like it's such a it can
0: be, and it is already. But like I just believe in what you're doing here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So I remember reaching out to you years ago when you probably one of the first filmmakers I reached out to about having your film on Quilly TV. And the reason I reached out to you because of the storyline. If you can talk about around both sides and the film, the synopsis, give people a a kind of a quick overview Mm -hmm. what the film is about. Uh, Around on Both Sides uh, was my thesis film for NYU.
0: So it's a short film. I wanted to go home to shoot the film. So it was shot on location in Youngstown, Ohio. And it's about a young woman who is a young mom that she left her child um, in the care of her mother while she was off trying to like make a way for them. But when she comes back to Ohio to pick up her daughter, the little girl's not there anymore. So she has to kind of figure out what's happened in her absence
1: and the stories about that journey. And as a film student, talk about the reason why you told this particular story.
0: Well, it's so funny because my mom always says, oh, that's my story. And it's like freaking not her story for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a, I did pull from reality in, a, in some ways. Like I think the, the woman, in the story, is a model. My mom was a model um, back when uh, she was really young and stuff like that. But otherwise, it's all fictional. Uh, my motivation was I wanted to do, again, like something in Ohio, I wanted to just show my love for the people there and to use as many non-actors as possible because um, I find that people from my hometown have so much flavor and and like it's like not something that you can recreate somewhere else, right? So, mm-hmm. so an Ohio story and also just having a really uh, interesting female lead. I felt like the character that I had created for this film was she was complicated and some people love her and some people are like just have a visceral negative response to her, which I find interesting even now.
1: It is interesting. I mean, I love that character. I don't have children, but you can understand, you know, she moved away. Her goal was to be this famous model and come back and do all the things she probably wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. for her family. But in the film i I don't want to give it away for those who haven't seen it but life happens right yeah i mean that happens for a lot of people who pursue their dreams sometimes and the film shows that yeah and that
0: was the thing for me like the sacrifices that you have to make in order to pursue your dreams i think that's probably the piece of it that i related to as well because i don't have children either but like this leaving home and coming home and things um things that you miss because you're just not there because you're off trying to do this thing. I think it's something that a
1: lot of people can relate to. Especially anyone who's in a creative field. Exactly. You know, I'm from Memphis, and I remember when I was in high school, i never went, I mean, i go back home to visit my parents, but, and I love Memphis. And like you said, like you said, Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Has flavor. Memphis has its own flavor as well, and I love it. But not so much I want to live back in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but to visit.
0: Yes, yeah, just like the holidays, taste that flavor, okay gotta go.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly, but you know you, to me, I'm sure for you and, and like for her in the in the film mm-hmm. going back home, you want to go back home but going back home also almost seems like not a failure, but the fact that maybe yeah. things didn't pan the way that, that you wanted them to. Right, right right
0: exactly I mean it's like you have these successes and as an artist we know what each success means like each step along the road but when you go home to places like Ohio or Memphis or, or you know not big city locations they're like so did you meet Oprah no I haven't right. met Oprah yet you know what I mean?
1: exactly to them you're big time like yeah. actually <laughs> she is and not it- on my speed dial yet right. well not yet not yet mm-hmm. right <laughs> So, like I said, it was such a great film, and you said that, which is really interesting to me, because I couldn't tell by watching it that these were people from your hometown. So, talk about finding the lead actress. Was she also from your hometown, and was she also, a, not, I hate to worry, a regular person, but someone who isn't a trained actress? hmm
0: She is a trained actress now, but when we met, she was just starting out. Um, This was her first significant acting role. And she is from Ohio, but we met in New York. Like her people and my people um, live like two doors away from each other in Youngstown, It was wild. So random. I think like that is kind of what drew us together. But all the supporting characters are folks that I auditioned in Youngstown, Ohio. And even, and a couple of them went on to do more things like in reality TV and stuff like that.
1: And what advice would you give to people who want to use local talent, maybe not someone from Hollywood, but actually using people Mm -hmm. from their community? I'm pretty sure you probably learned some things while you were looking for actors and actresses for this particular film.
0: You know what, I would say be open. Like the woman who's not the lead, but supporting cast. She ended up being phenomenal, but I, was, I met her on the street. Like she was just walking down the street and I'm like, I really like her look. So she didn't have, like we had to do some like, you know, hair makeup stuff to like create the character around her. But my openness, like I was like, your hair is blonde. Do you mind if we make you a brunette? And she was like, uh, sure. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And because I was open and she was open, like we were able to kind of craft a person or a character together. Uh, and that's something that I really, I'm really proud of with that particular woman and, and then like her trajectory afterwards.
1: Wow, I want to hear the scenario. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you the short version, but it was hilarious
0: because she was walking down the street and you know, like I said, like Youngstown Flavor, and you know, it was hot. So she had on her little tank top or what have you. And like it was like she had the like straight out of the box blonde hair. So you could mm-hmm. tell that she was a brunette originally. And you know, I was just like, I could see the person that I want somewhere in there. Now the person in the film was kind of like a middle class school teacher type, but she also had that like snap to her. Like like, like we can go there if we need to go there, right? Right. And so the woman that was on the street had more of the, we can go there on the outside, but then the sophistication on the inside. And so I I toned down her outside look and tried to like get them to together. And it it worked really well. I put my mom's clothes on her (laughs) to get the like sophistication. And then, um, and she was willing to like, I said, go brunette. And we pulled her hair back into this bun and like pearls and all this sort of stuff. And so we like created this thing I'm saying thing, but I mean character.
1: But just imagine, I mean, the fact that you found her off the street.
0: And I literally, literally. so like, literally. who are you?
1: Why are you, you know, why are you? Are you yeah. for real? <laughs> yes,
0: yes. I mean, there was a little bit of that. She was hesitant at first. Like, are you serious right now? And I'm like, I am serious. I think that you would be great. I think you'd be brilliant. And she was.
1: Wow. And that's resiliency of being an independent filmmaker, right? Go to your hometown, knowing you're looking for talent. And that's how you find it. Just walking down the street, meeting people. Mm-hmm.
0: And also we did a community casting call and that was a lot of fun as well. So that's how the rest of the cast came together. We rented out a room at uh, at a community center. We handed out flyers. A friend of mine posted on the radio station uh, that we were doing an open casting call. And so folks just came in. When you're doing non-actors, a non-actor casting call, they're not gonna have headshot. They're not gonna understand the process in the same way. So you know like you'll have to be prepared to take a picture of them and you'll have to be prepared to explain to them what sides are as they're doing the you know like here read this like they don't know what that that's like a side and they have to embody the character off top so you have to do a little explanation around that um I also was casting children there were a few little girls who had a great look quite honestly their comprehension skills I was like oh (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like no that's okay so um. So that was a challenge, but also like people have their egos and when you're not a trained actor, like as a director in that scenario, I had to remember to be a lot kinder um, so that folks didn't take it personally when if I didn't select them, like, and to really, you know, show my appreciation for their time and their effort and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, like when you're in like a regular casting session, there's a certain amount of, okay, next to it, right? And everybody understands that. But when they're not actors coming in and they're just trying this out, and you know, they're on an adventure anyway. Like you want to, at least I felt, that it's really important to build people up, even if they're ultimately not the person that you're looking for for the part.
1: I think it's a really good point because you write as Anyone who's a creative, especially if you're acting, you, you go to so many casting Mm -hmm. calls you go you you try to for so many things and you get more no's than yeses but if someone is just starting out or just trying it out like oh there's a casting call i'm just gonna toss my henry you're like next and so do that la main thing in a way Mm -hmm. like you have to be more gentle because these are the people who just trying to see if they have a chance yeah and like this is
0: going to be a much larger memory for them than Mm -hmm. an actor who's gone on a hundred auditions most times than not, in the non-actor scenario, this is their first or their second time trying this. And it, I just think it's it's not hard to be kind mm-hmm. um, and it's easy to forget. So I, I make a point to do that, yeah.
1: And with the shooting, because a lot of the talent, the cast, they were non-actors, did it take longer for you to do various scenes or were people more natural than you anticipated? They were much more natural
0: than I anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> They were. It was terrific. Like, uh, there's a bar scene, right? And so Mm -hmm. we just, like, opened it up to whoever. And so I had folks coming in there, and they're what we jokingly called their Youngstown finest in terms of their outfits, you know? And so, like, Midwest, like, people still dress up in a way that we don't on, like, you know, Los Angeles or New York or whatever. And so we had this one lady who came in in an all-white cowboy suit (laughs) with her cowboy boots, (laughs) her cowboy hat, a little, like, bling on her shirt and a whole nine. I'm like oh yes sis you sit right there let's make sure the light catches her <laughs> sure. and, so, and she was ready for it and a lot of people were ready for it like super super natural that part I don't know what it was but I didn't really have problems with that like they all brought their natural mannerisms and and like stuff like that to it it was that part was really lots of great surprises with that
1: Did you have any challenges at all working with the cast or just in general, especially being a student filmmaker Mm -hmm. and this is probably your first production?
0: You know what we did? The biggest challenge was that my sound recordist quit. Well, we had two huge challenges at the beginning. I had rented out someone's house to house my crew because I brought a bunch of people in from New York. And so I had rented a friend of mine's house and then we got there. And not that anybody was, didn't do anything unusual, But she was like, you know what? I'm really not feeling this. You know, blame it on the menopause. Like she said, she's like, but I just just don't want this. And so you got to go. And we were like, lady, please, we will buy you a fan for your hot flashes, please. And she was like, no. And so we had to like scramble. To find another place because we also were gonna use her house as like a location and it was mm-hmm. a really huge dent in our scenario so wow. that was the biggest the first big challenge to overcome and then the second one was that our sound recordist quit
1: hmm. he yeah. just
0: came and turned back around
1: wow and i mean those are pretty major i mean because finding a location can be hard i mean this is in new york la where mm-hmm. you can call You know, so when there are all these different spots, I mean, this is the Midwest. I mean, Mm -hmm. how are you able to overcome that?
0: I taught my brother how to use the boom pole. (laughs) And he was like, you know, tall and 13. So, like, just point it towards whoever's talking, like that's just. And so that was his big uh, introduction into filmmaking. So that was how we overcame the other part. And then, fortunately, we were able to find someone who also had a house with a lot of rooms, and they weren't ready for us in the same way,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: Uh, and so we had to like kind of like go. You know, clean everything up and like make it ready for a whole big old group of folks. But other, but once we got that, then we were, as they say, cooking with grease.
1: Wow, that's great! And you know, especially you overcame those challenges because sometimes, but that's what happens, right? You know, anytime you embark on a a new adventure, a film, anything, there's always going to be some issue that happens. We just have to figure out a way to keep going no matter what. Mm Mhm. And that's the thing. Like
0: now, like I teach film. um, Mm -hmm. And that's what i tell my students all the time they come to me and they're like oh this sport just didn't work i i quit and i'm like you can't quit like find a solution you have to keep going like this didn't work out just shift gears and like find find another way and that's that's a big part i think of successful independent filmmaking because you have more you know energy than than you have money a lot of times and so creative solutions are your best friend
1: right and or your network and mm-hmm. and and yeah, you're right. I think being resilient. It's really interesting you mentioned that. And I'm not sure. i about to sound old, but I think sometimes, it <laughs> especially like younger, like I call them maybe Gen Zs. So yeah. Call now. I think it's like mom and dad sort of. Helped you with the solution. Always growing up, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have mom and dad, with I had my I have my parents, but they really were able to always help me with solutions. But mm-hmm. you had that growing up. Maybe it's harder for sometimes younger generation to kind of keep pushing when they see adversity because they think, oh, this means maybe this isn't supposed to happen or yeah. whatever. You know, I, I'm finding that sometimes I talk to young people.
0: Yeah, it's a thing that I'm finding more often than not um kind of been trying to think that through a little bit as a teacher like how do you teach resilience um in creative spaces you know like in creative solutions and stuff like that i don't i don't know the answer to that yet but it is something that i think that that artists need you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's also like the creativity and the overcoming the obstacle a lot of times creates like a much more interesting outcome right than what you
1: originally intended yeah, I totally agree with that. A lot of nuggets. I'm learning a lot from you today. <laughs> no, seriously, because I think even though, like, I'm not a filmmaker, I have a startup company. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, like, there are so many challenges, but you have to keep going no matter what. And, you know, as a filmmaker, since we're talking about, you know, keep moving, what keeps you going as a filmmaker? We know it's a very hard industry to be in. While there are definitely more doors being opened with mm-hmm. so many new avenues to, to promote your work. I feel like now is even harder than ever. I mean, it's easier to make a film and it's easier to put your film on like Vimeo, but Mm -hmm. it's still just getting the word out it still seems a a bit difficult these days.
0: That's an age old question. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I probably am someone who does a lot more marketing. Like I'm on the more marketing end of the spectrum because I'm on social media all the time and all the different platforms and stuff like that. But I think, like, once you find your audience, like, each audience member, like, treat them like gold. Mm -hmm. If I was going to give any advice, that's what I would say. Just keep building on that and keep those relationships going. Like, send out progress notes and, you know, this is where I'll be next. Like, even if you think nobody cares, like, they care. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think there was an article. It was a long time ago, but it's still worth looking up. It was called 1,000 Fans. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if you Google 1,000 fans article or blog post or whatever, and it was basically a way to say, like, that's the core. Like, find your 1,000 fans who are going to support your work no matter what. Like, keep mm-hmm. building and growing until you get to that point. Because that 1,000 threshold, I mean, it's it's metaphorical, but right. when you get to that 1,000 mark, then those are the people that are going to lift you and take you all the way
1: to the top. Right. I think that's, I think that's a really good point because... A lot of times, especially when I talk to filmmakers, they really want to really focus on the creative side. They're not really interested in the marketing aspect of it. They don't want to deal with Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, which because there is some truth to the fact that it can be a little depressing and there are some negative people mm-hmm. on social media. But we know that this is a part of getting our, the word out about our work. Mm hmm. And also just building
0: community, period, mm-hmm. like amongst each other and with our respective audiences. Like, yeah, I mean, because you do have to be, I think, as selective as possible nowadays, because there
1: is a lot of
0: things that can knock you off your your platform. But I still find that it's useful in terms of keeping up with your audience.
1: OK. And and so we have run on both sides on Kalei TV. Are you mm-hmm. working on any other projects right now? I know you have a podcast, which I, I want you to talk about as well. So my project right now is called
0: After the Jump. The screenplay is written for it. Uh, i looking for funding for it. I've done screenwriting labs, screenwriting awards, all that sort of stuff. So now it's just like, let's just get the money and shoot it. You can find that at afterthejump.com. Or I think it might be afterthejumpmovie.com. Okay. And it's a story about a young woman who... Um, is having the worst day of her life and she is considering suicide and she's mm-hmm. interrupted by a mysterious graffiti writer who talks her into seeing what else is out there before she makes any final decisions about her life.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the process
0: of coming up with that story? So that it's a funny story actually so the film that I did before that one and after round on both sides is called forgiving Chris Brown and so forgiving Chris Brown is a dark comedy long story short I was out on the festival circuit with it. the people like I kept meeting people like okay great you have a feature version and I didn't bad idea don't do that <laughs> um, but I met one guy at one festival who was like I have a hundred thousand dollars if you can shoot something with me right now and I wow. did not. Right, like I didn't have the script ready for a hundred thousand dollar check and so that devastated me because he was serious like I Mm -hmm. like the money was there and all the things and I just I wasn't ready and so I went into kind of a writing cave and was like you don't get to come out of this cave until you have something that you can shoot the next time somebody says I have x amount of dollars let's go and that's where the like motivation for getting this script going came from
1: was it from a family member or just... Uh... Okay, so the actual
0: story. Um, the, I had of uh, several reasons, but one of which is that uh, when I was at NYU, uh, we had a suicide from our department. Mm-hmm. Um, a young Black woman uh, jumped off of our building and I was her TA. Um, her name is Joanne Levy. And, and that really devastated me. I wasn't super close to her like that, but... Um, but I did feel like as a community that, that we missed something, that if she felt like she needed to come to school to do that. That like there was a statement being made about the community that she was a part of or alienated from or whatever. Right. And I just I just it broke my heart. And so that was that piece of it. And as I think about her and, and as I thought about her, I, I wish that there was more we could have done. So this is a suicide prevention piece. I mean, there, it's it's not heavy handed. It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. But if I could like be the like person that finds you, if my character could be the person that finds you and like talks you out of doing something permanent, then I've I've been
1: a success. So that's that's where that
0: story came from.
1: And I really appreciate that because a lot of times, especially when it comes to things like suicide it's something that black folks don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about mental illness a lot. Yeah. We definitely like to talk. We, act, we like to pretend that we're so strong that we don't commit yeah. suicide, even though we know that some of us do.
0: Yeah, and the numbers are rising in our community, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you looking to have those statistics in the film? Are you, have you thought about that far ahead yet? Um. No, I mean, I have thought about it, and I don't think that the actual statistics
0: will be in the film. I think some of the curriculum around it that's where those statistics will come into play I do think that this is a piece that can go into schools ultimately I really hope that the approach that I've taken with the story is very peer-to-peer so um, I don't want to be like the Gen Xer trying to tell Gen Z like how to be or how to relate to each other right Um, but if I can create a a story that allows them to talk to each other that's kind of like where I'm going with it what I'm hoping for with it
1: and then with it being a dark comedy it's not like it's all serious mm-hmm. students would tap out or young people would tap out they're going to be interested they're going to laugh but they also get something out of it and that's what we hope people get out of film right?
0: yeah
1: even though yeah. Even, even if it is a comedy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hopefully that's the plan <laughs> <laughs> and, and then your podcast i don't want to forget your podcast
0: Oh Yes. Uh, so Directing Magic is a podcast that I do with women filmmakers um, and, and very similar to this where we talk about the process of making things and hopefully there's some inspiration and some like how did somebody get something done or to the finish line. We do a lot of talking around that. Um, and so it's, it's women to women, like us talking to each other and kind of the some of the like special things that we have to deal with as women in this business. Um, and you can find that pretty much everywhere where podcasts are um and directingmagic.com you can also find it there and i'm on social media at directing Magic and also marquette jones
1: all right awesome i will definitely be listening now that i know you have your podcast but yeah i think it's really great that you're talking to women as a woman you general know, we know that there are challenges when it comes to raising money what have the conversations been like on your podcast when women are saying you know this is i've been trying to get this film made and it's been difficult how have women overcome that based off of the interviews on your podcast Mm -hmm. uh one woman in particular um chico
0: Odawali, i think is her last name and she talked about like she's been she just had a film out on a festival circuit in 2018 2019 now and like i watched her like struggle with this piece for like probably seven years and I was like, how did you get it done? And the thing that she realized is like, once she just made the decision, like, I don't care if I don't have the money, I'm still gonna make the thing. Um, and she went into crowdfunding and all of that stuff. And once she started crowdfunding and not waiting to like find a million dollar check, uh, the ball started rolling and um, she got it done. And so that would be like one example of how somebody was able to do it. A lot of people, And believe me, like I ask, I'm like, can we talk about the money? I ask every time. (laughs) But a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And I honestly think that the people who don't want to talk about it are the people who had a family member give them some money to get started.
1: Hey, must be nice. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny we, you know i would like a side conversation i was at this event last week entrepreneurs and nice guy he's a, this white guy he was like giving a presentation and he had two failed startups and he mentioned that he got a family and friends round and so i think it said it was like something crazy like 80 million and we were like wait 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 wait, what wow. you know, 80 80 million like the From
0: friends him. and family route was $80 million.
1: I was lord! <laughs> I mean, we were just like, our mouths like, open. <laughs> and everything else he said for the next 30 minutes was like, wow. 80, I, I just, I can't, I'm stuttering just thinking about that. $80 yeah. million. Dollars and the company still failed, but can you imagine? No, ma'am. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, I'd be lucky to get a hundred bucks and, and yes. some, some mm-hmm. for my grandma and something. But eighty million, wow! Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I think there are people who you know are able to tap into their family members, and for the rest of us, you know, we try to make it happen in mm-hmm. when
0: we can. And for the rest of us, I think it's things like crowdfunding, grants, saving, bartering. There's a lot of bartering. I think that's happening as well. And for me, hopefully, I mean, I haven't tried this yet, but it's part of the grand plan. Like I teach at a school. And so uh, being able to work with my students and mm-hmm. use the equipment and, and kind of like use that as my foundation for the next project that I do.
1: Yeah, I, that's true. I have so many filmmakers on so Coalition the independent filmmakers, work at universities. I would say mm-hmm. like half of you mm-hmm. <laughs> work at university teaching film and you're able to use the equipment. So you're absolutely right getting that opportunity to at least cut some costs while you use yeah. projects. Mm-hmm. Well, before
0: I go, I just want to... I know i've already said thank you and that i love what you're doing but i also like i post about this every every time it happens on twitter i don't use your name but 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 i'm just like blowing up your spot like whenever i get the little like residual check no matter if it's two dollars (laughs) five dollars i am so thankful because that little two dollars and five dollars that like whether it adds up or not, is you're still paying more to creators than somebody like Amazon.
1: Wow. Well, that makes me feel good because, you know, it it's fluctuates, right? Some filmmakers, you know, especially the, the full-length films make more. And yeah. Some of the shorts make less. And when I for some that's like two dollars, I feel bad. Like I'm like I wish I could do more, you know, but that makes it feel better at least. I mean,
0: my film is a short film, like it's like ten minutes long. So like still somebody being able to give me a residual check period mm-hmm. makes me extremely happy. And the fact that, and I can tell by your cost structure that it's, it's as fair and equitable as it can be. And I just, I hope that you keep this in. Like, I really appreciate it because the big guys like the, the Amazons and even the Vimeo's like they really don't give us our money. Like they don't pay. Well. <laughs> like, they try to say, oh, we're doing you a favor the publicity like yeah publicity is cool but like who's paying for Starbucks right you're not I have to and like yeah so so I just kudos to you for that business model and I'm, I'm like a, I'm a lifelong fan I think it's great what you're doing
1: thank you thank you and I get excited to talk to filmmakers like yourself who create Awesome work, and this is why I started Clay TV because I really want to put this work out here. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you know, yeah, anyone can be on Amazon. Netflix is a little bit diff- more difficult, but mm-hmm. you know, there are so many Black filmmakers out here who create awesome work, and there's no way for them to get their work out there yep. in the in the space that's like like a streaming service, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's Amazon, but it's like a needle in a haystack and, and people yeah. have to literally like take someone to their link on Amazon versus like, okay, we're, we don't have a million titles. We're very strategic about the titles we have on the platform, which makes it easier for people to find your content. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why I started ClayCB. So thank you. When times get hard, I will remember, <laughs> remember this. Now I definitely yes <laughs> keep
0: going exactly thank you thank
1: you <laughs> but i have one question for you uh uh-huh. you know quilly means you just want so we're all about being authentic on clay tv what makes you an authentic filmmaker Oh, i think the fact that i am peachy's
0: granddaughter makes me an authentic filmmaker my grandmother we call her peachy Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but yeah. she instilled in me a love of story from day one. Like as soon as I was able to go off on my own, she would send me to the library to pick up books for her and pick up books for me. And my love of story really stems from that. And like, we would just crawl up next to each other on the couch day in and day out, reading stories and sharing stuff. So,
1: mm.
0: Peachy's grandbaby,
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking with you, learning more about you and all the work you have in store. So looking forward to seeing your new film that's coming out really soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.